Wow. Sometimes my emotions get the best of me. And sorry. I just want to tell you. <clears throat> Thank you for being here. You don't realize what a blessing it's been for me this weekend. The, the world is in such chaos. And young men and women your age are suffering so much. And there's so much confusion. And for me to come here and see the community and see the, the intimacy and the relationships being built. I, <clears throat> down at the campfire last night with, you know, these, all these songs and old songs singing and people coming in. And sitting back here last night with the jam session, I, I, is that what you call it? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it was so awesome. You know, I, here's I told you yesterday, right? God works in every single moment of our life. And you, you guys might, might not think there was much to that last night, but man, when I sit back and watch and be a part of and, and see the joy and the expression of love and friendship and, and God in those things is working moment by moment by moment in our lives. Every one of those things is just such a blessing to me to see, hey, there's a hope, <laughs> right? There's this group right here is the future generation. I said at the very beginning. And to see that take place and, you know, people playing cards here and people go for what, that thing, whatever that thing is, <laughs> you know, with, yeah, please take your rings off because you'll hurt my hand. It's like, it's like, but listen, it's all part of community and, and intimacy and coming together with each other. To, to see that interaction is like, it's so refreshing to my soul. It brings such great hope to me because you guys aren't lost. You guys have a direction and a purpose and you know where you're going. And it's like, I have been so refreshed this weekend to be here it's like, I don't care about sleep. I don't care about noise. None of that makes any difference to me. It's just to see God working in us and through us. And, you know, I, I mean, music is such, I love music and worship. It's just part of my spirit, right? There's an there's a intimacy in that that it's just so good to watch it last night and, you know, having fun and singing and joy. And it was awesome, you know? So thank you. I, it's been so refreshing for me to be here. I just really appreciate you guys 
putting up with me. I really do. I'm just going to take 15, 20 minutes this morning, kind of recap where we're at and, and uh, talk a little bit about maybe giving you some help on how do you become more intimate with Christ? How do you absorb, begin to absorb more um, knowledge in, in who God is and become to know who he is? I mean, we spent time looking at the world and our life through the lens of Scripture. I think we need to keep doing that. Every time we have something going on, we need to say, what, is the, what does the Word say about that? What is that lens we're looking through? Not the world lens, but the, the lens of Scripture. You know, and, and how we walk and talk and our opinions and basically how we live out our lives. It all needs to be done through the light of Scripture. Um, we spent some time talking about sanctification and the sanctifying grace of God and how our loving God will use all means necessary to form us and shape us. It doesn't make any difference whether it's difficulty or, or hard times. or I mean, God's about redeeming who we are. And he'll use whatever it takes. And I think if I could sum up everything that we've talked about this morning, I think really it's that all the work God is doing in our lives it's really around, and you've heard me say this a couple of times, but I want to re- really emphasize this. It's really around establishing our identity in Christ. That's what it's about. His image and likeness being formed in us. It's one that's a, a grounded in God. It means that when we think of who we are, that the first thing that would come to our mind is how loved we are by God. Because that's who we are. We are loved by God. And listen, we live in this digital generation, right? That everything is, is at our fingertips. I, I, it's, it's incredible to me to, to see where we're at today, to where I was when we had a telephone at the house that two different households shared. It was called a party line, in case you know. And I mean, you picked up the phone, somebody else was talking. It's like, please get off the phone until I'm done. And it was a neighbor. I mean, that's just the way it was when I was a kid. We had party lines. And I mean, we're just constantly bombarded with random and opposing messages about who we are and and what we are. And, you know, there's this cloud of ongoing debate going on around uh, national identity, gender identity, gender confusion, racial identity, even identity in the body of Christ. It's just, it's, it's exploded. And... All of those things are all around our beliefs and our values and our opinions and our choices. But you know what? The bottom line, it it all comes down. The core issue is about identity, trying to find out who we are. And outside of Christ, there's always going to be confusion. There's always going to be turmoil. You know, people who find their identity outside of the word of God will constantly struggle with confusion and inconsistencies between their thoughts, their emotions, and their beliefs. Always. Because there's only one place to find our identity, and that's in Christ. Listen, 1 John 2, 5 and 6 says this. But whoever keeps his word truly Truly, the love of God is perfected in him. Ah, the sanctification process. It's being perfected in us. Whoever keeps his word truly, the love of God is perfected in him. And why? By this, we know we are in him. He says he abides in him. 
ought himself to walk as he walked. He who says he abides in him ought to himself walk as he walked. Here's the question. Are we walking as he walked? The only way we can answer that is to know how he walked. Is that we need to be people who know God personally, pursue Christ passionately, and allow the Holy Spirit to shape our character and our priorities. Why? To become like Christ. Isn't that what we've been talking about all weekend? The image and likeness of God? We cannot become like Christ apart from the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the worship of God. Knowing God personally. Here's your scripture for today. Colossians 1, 9-14. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be. Here we go. Here is the whole gospel message in this scripture. The whole gospel message. We, that you may be filled with the knowledge of God. There's that word again. How... It's so important that the knowledge of God, the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why? That we may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all his might, according to his glorious power. Why? For all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has this is another great piece, qualified us to be partakers of his divine nature. The, uh, the inheritance of the saints in the light, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us, that just means transferred us, transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins. That's the gospel message right there. That's what it's all about. Listen, if we live out our identity based on how God sees us, we no longer feel the need to find our worth and our, our hope and our value in all these external circumstances that continually bombard us. It's found in Christ. It frees us up to live confidently instead of changing who we are. And this happens, changing who we are based on the opinions of others or our success in our jobs or how we see ourselves or how other people define us. We find our security and significance in Christ only. It gives us the opportunity to experience God's unconditional love in new and fresh ways every single day. And that also allows us to confidently and boldly share the word of God, which we're called to do. And listen, it's a battle as we live in this world that tries to define us by its own standards. It continually presses in on us. But the battle, this war that we're in, is worth fighting. It's worth fighting. If we believe in God and what God says about us and we allow him to transform us, then we will begin to walk in the freedom and the purpose and the plans that God has for our life. When we understand the identity of something, we begin to understand its purpose. What do we say? I'm created on purpose for a purpose. But we won't know that purpose until we really know our identity in Christ. 
What's the purpose? First of all, it's to know God and to make him known. That's what we're called for, to be conformed to his image and likeness. And if we don't know God, I mean truly know God, we will never understand our own true identity. It all comes through knowing God, that intimate relationship. So how do I do that? Well, let me give you a few thoughts on how we do that. I, listen, <clears throat> we know the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. At his name. Now, now listen to this. And his name, this is what scripture says. His name is above every other name. It's the name far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Above every other name that's named. There's no salvation in no other name. His name is hallowed. Every time we pray, we pray in Jesus' name. His name is a strong tower. His name is a fortress. His name is a refuge. It goes on and on and on, the name of Christ. Ooh, it's important, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's really, really important. But listen to what he says. You got to get this. Psalms 138, 2. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and for your truth. Now, here's the part of the scripture you need to get. For you have magnified your word even above your name. Now, listen, all the things I just told you about the name of God are incredibly significant. But when, when God says that he's elevated this above everything else, including his name, do you think this should be significant and important in our lives? Do you think we should take time to spend time in this and really understand what he's calling us to? Absolutely, because it's more important than his name. That's why it's so critical. See the importance of the word? And it needs to be a priority in our lives. 1 Timothy 4.16, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, the word, continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Proverbs 23.26, my son, daughter, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. I am convinced that spending time each day in God's word and worshipful prayer is a powerful tool for life transforming change. Apart from the word of God, it's not going to happen. So let me give you a couple ideas on how we get to know God. And this isn't about a to-do list or, you know, uh, if you do this each day, this is going to happen. No, it's about developing relationship with God to transform your lives. So one of the things I do... I, I'm in the Word every day. The first thing I do when I get up in the morning is I spend at least an hour in the Word. Uh, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever you're going to use, right? But I spend an hour, it's just because I'm retired, I have time. I didn't do it when I was working, I can tell you that, right? So I do something that's called SOAP, S-O-A-P. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. And I use this little life journal... And in the front of the Life Journal, it has day by day. It even has soap written out here so you know what it is. But it has day by day an Old Testament scripture and a New Testament scripture to read. 
I use this. I, in, in one year, you'll go through the whole Bible. Just one method, right? It's just one method. If you're interested in this, I buy these by bulk. If you want to use these, I'm happy to give this to you. They're about 10 bucks a piece. I don't care. I'm so interested in it and people getting in the word of God. If you want one of these, it's on me. I'm, gonna, I'm placing an order next week for some more. So if you want them, let me know. I'll get them to Jeff or to, to Jared and he'll hand them out at Salt. So I'm, I'm going to order about 50. So I'll just take 50 to you guys and you can use them. It'll last you a year, maybe a little more. But what I do is I, I read the scripture and then I think, hmm, what do I see in that scripture? What's it, what is it telling me? And I write that down. How do I apply that to my life? Where's the area I write that down? And then I pray about, okay, what did I just read? And you know what's awesome is you can go back halfway through the year and start reading what you wrote and, and you can see God acting in your life and answering some of the things that you wrote down. It's a handy tool. It works good. I like it. If you want to go through the Bible in a year, that's a good way to do it. I'll order some of those and get them to you. Here's the thing I'm doing this year, because I've done this for a long time. If you want to know who Christ is, I mean really know who he is, go to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right? Almost everything we learn about Christ, you can actually find his ministry in those four books. All about Christ. So, starting in January this year, for three months, I'm reading the book of Matthew. Started the first one, Matthew. And here's what I do. I use one gospel a quarter every three months. Matthew first, the next three months Mark, the next three months Luke, the next three months John. So for the whole year, that's all I'm going to do is read those four books. So, and I do this. I, I ask myself these four questions every time I read. And I don't, I don't read the whole book one day. I mean, I just take, break it up and, and read it over the, the three months. So here's what I ask myself these questions. What did I learn about God? What did I learn about Christ? Because that's what I want to know. What did I learn about myself in this scripture? Do I see God, Jesus' attributes and characters in, characteristics in my life? Right? I'm examining myself through the scripture. Do I see these attributes and, and characteristics in my life? If not, why not? Then I say, okay, God, how do I start to, to emulate and start to work this out in my own life? How do I learn to begin to live them out on a daily basis in my life? Do you want to be a disciple of Christ? It has to start with the word of God. You know, <laughs> disciple is the root word of discipline. Ouch. It's the root word of discipline. I mean, I, I just can't wing my, my spiritual life. I just can't, oh, I'll do this, I'll do it. I mean, we tend to think disciple means follower, but you know what the actual meaning is? Student or pupil or one who studies. That's really the meaning of disciple, is a student, one who studies, one who understands what they're reading. Do you want to be a disciple? So just a couple ideas on how to do that, right? Get into the, into the Gospels for the year. Just read them. Or use this journal and go Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament. Every day. It gives you some scripture. It takes about 15 minutes is all. You can spend longer, but I mean, it's a good way to go through the Bible in one year. God will start to do things in your life based on the word. Why do we do that? Just give me, I'm going to give you some ideas of why we do regular habits of daily study of God's word. You get a deeper knowledge of the nature and character of God. That's what we're after, Right? A clearer understanding of how God works, an ever-deepening love and trust for him, 
a deeper willingness and commitment to surrender your whole life to him, not just pieces of it. Deeper understanding of the life you've been called to. A deeper, more practical grasp of the truths of God's word. A deeper awareness of the nature of our own sin, which brings about confession and repentance. Being better prepared for spiritual warfare and attacks from the enemy. Becoming more and more thankful for God's presence and his power and his promises and his blessings. Being loved by him. That's the whole purpose in doing it. You know, I mean, if you don't take anything else away from this weekend but this, know this, that God is about transforming your life through his redeeming grace. And you can resist it all you want, but he's going to keep coming after you. He's going to keep pursuing you. He's going to keep running after you. He's not going to give up on you. What does scripture say? He will, he will finish what he completed even to the day of Christ Jesus. Even to the end, he's going to keep coming after you. So listen, if he's going to pursue you, why not pursue him? Beat him to the punch, so to speak, right? I mean, he's about turning us into his image and likeness, and that should be our purpose, to be made in the image and likeness of God. Our identity is only found through the Spirit of God in the truth of God's Word, his Spirit working in us through us to change us. And if we try to find it anywhere else, we're going to struggle all of our life. All of our life we're going to struggle trying to get it somewhere else. So make a regular, personal worship of of God and his word. It needs to become non-negotiable in our life. I was, it's like, okay, you've always, I know you've heard this before. You know what? You, You eat your meals every day, don't you? So why don't you study the word of God? You need your meals to build you up physically. You need the word of God. You need to feed on the word of God to to build you up spiritually, right? You've heard that before, right? Well, I'm going to put this in your head, right? It'll renew your mind. This is what we're going to. I'm going to stick this in your head so every day you're going to go, oh, why did he tell me that? So I'm standing in the in the bathroom this morning and I'm brushing my teeth because I do that every day. Brushing my teeth, and I was like, I just the Holy Spirit said, you know what? You should use that as an example for studying the Word of God. If it's important enough to brush your teeth every day, you ought to be picking up the Word of God and reading it every day. So every time you brush your teeth from now on, when you pick up that toothbrush, I want the Holy Spirit to remind you that you need to be studying the Word of God, keeping your teeth clean and keeping your spirit clean, right? I mean, it's like, I'm, I'm, Holy Spirit, those toothbrushes should be reminders. I'm just praying. I'm going to start praying every day for you that your toothbrush, when you pick it up, you go, oh, Word of God. <laughs> word of God, I know I need to read it, but... And listen, if you're not going to read the word of God, don't brush your teeth. <laughs> what? Come on. Come on. Right? I mean, that's, I put that in your mind. Just give you a reminder. Listen, you don't need to spend an hour in the word. It's not about the quantity of time. It's about the quality. If God just speaks one thing to you through one scripture a day, just one thing, that'll change you. Every day you're going to start transforming more and more into his image and likeness. Brush your teeth. I, I was, Lord, keep whispering that into their spirit. Brush your teeth. Every time you wake, brush your teeth. Weird thing, but it's like, hey, it's like, yeah, that's a good reminder. Make regular personal worship a non-negotiable habit in your life. Having that invitation to commune daily with God.
It's part of his tool of sanctifying grace. And you know what else it is? It's a sign of his love for you because he just wants to know you and you want to know him. That's what it's all about. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to finish uh, with uh, communion. And again, this to me, this, I'm going to give you a totally different way to look at this. You've never heard this before, but it's so important to me because I think just like everything else in our life, communion has become rote. This is real bread. You ever had naan? Oh, I love this stuff. A little warm with lots of butter on it. Just pull a piece off and pass it down. And we're going to be dipping. Please do not drink out of this. You know, unsanitary, all that kind of stuff. Um, So listen, I want you to think differently about communion than what we normally think. Now, I'm going to go all the way back to Genesis in the beginning. It's like, well, wait a second. Jesus didn't go to the cross until the New Testament. So what does this have to do with Genesis? I'm going to tell you. When Adam and Eve fell into sin, which broke God's heart. When they fell into sin, they, under their own, their own thinking and their own power, said, gosh, we need to do something here. Let's get some fig leaves. I don't know if they're fig leaves or not, but whatever the leaves they use. And they were woefully inadequate for what needed to be done. Right? And so what does it say that God did? It says that he took the skin of an animal and covered them, right? Listen, God created the world so no, nothing would die. Nothing. But he had to sacrifice an animal for the sin of Adam and Eve. He had to cover them. Now, this is my opinion. It's not in scripture. My opinion is I believe that was a lamb. I believe he sacrificed a lamb is symbolic of what was going to happen in the future. From the very beginning in Genesis, I think you, you see this in the creation process, so many things. But I believe he sacrificed a lamb to cover him, foreshadowing what was going to happen in the future. Right? So now listen. I want you to start thinking about communion this way. In the first century, when the Jews would get married, guess who picked the bride? The father. He negotiated with the family, and the father picked the bride for the son. You know who picked, you know what God calls us? Now, man, you don't, you're not going to like this, but we are the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And you know who picked us for his son? The father. Right? So we've been chosen by the father as the bride, just like they do in a Jewish ceremony. Now listen, this is how it happened. The father and the son, they would go to the, the, the girl's house with their dad with a bottle of wine and uh, either a raisin cake or a piece of bread. 
And they would go to the house and they would come in and sit down and they would pour wine. And if the, if the woman would pick up the cup and drink it, she was agreeing to the fact that she would marry that man. So if she picked it up and they'd break the cake and have cake or a piece of bread, that was kind of the way they betrothed themselves. Okay? So, yes, I'll marry you. I'll drink the cup. Then you know what happened? For a year. For one year, the woman was about preparing, the bride was about preparing herself for the return of her husband. She didn't know when he was coming back. She didn't have any idea when he would be there. But sometime in the next year, he would come back to get her. You know what we're supposed to be doing while Christ went away and promised he would come back for his bride? Preparing ourselves. Getting ready for the wedding. Getting ready for the marriage. Preparing ourselves. Just like a Jewish wedding. And then one day... He would come back, and they'd go down and get married and have a big celebration. Seven days, they had celebration for their wedding. You know, there's, the Bible talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb, where we're all coming together for a great celebration, and we are joined with Christ as husband and wife. So listen, every time we make communion, it's just not about the blood and body of Christ. Yes, that is super important. But listen, every time we take the bread and every time we take the wine, this is what we're saying to Christ. I will ready myself for you. I know you're coming back. You've promised that. I am betrothing myself to you. I know you're coming back. I am going to ready myself for you. Every time we have communion. Are we readying ourselves for Christ? Because that, that betrothal, that drinking, that taking of, that's a promise. That's a vow. When they made that vow, by the way, the only way they could disavow it was to get a divorce. They had to have a decree of divorce, even though they hadn't been married yet. But they were betrothed to each other. So every time we take communion, it's like, Lord, I am waiting for you. I am waiting for you. I am readying myself for you, for you to come back, because I'm going to marry you. I'm going to be faithful to you. I won't look anywhere else for anything else. Because you're all important to me. And everything I do for the next whatever time it takes, I'm readying myself for you. Totally different way to look at communion than just dipping the, taking the bread, taking the cup. It's like, no, this, these things are symbolic, but they're so important to how we commune with God. Amen? Amen. Where's the cup? So as we take this, sorry, I'll dip twice if you want. (laughs) So listen, just today, let's just remember that we are betrothed to Christ as his bride. And we are to be about readying ourselves for his return because he's coming back. He promised that. And I think it's a lot sooner than we think. So. You know, on the day he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it, symbolizing his broken body for us, right? 
And he said, listen, this is my body. It's broken for you. It's broken for you. It's broken for you. In my brokenness, I can bring wholeness and healing and hope and peace. That's why he did it. So he took the bread, broke it, and handed it out. And then he took the cup. By the way, they did this. There was like three or four cups, not just one. We don't ever talk about that. That's a totally different story. But he took the cup and he said, listen, this is the cup of the new covenant. Everything is going to be made new. Everything's going to be right. Everything's going to go back to the way it was. Scripture says this, without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. So Jesus had to go to the cross in order for us to be forgiven. He had to shed that little lamb in the garden in order for Adam and Eve to be covered. So every time we take it, we recognize who he is and we recognize that we're his bride and nobody else's. Nothing that the world has to offer can give us anything that he does. So let's take the bread and the wine with a new perspective on who God is in our lives. Amen? Amen. Enjoy. He loves us beyond all measure. Greater than any love you could ever get anywhere else. Each one of us, individually and corporately. Amen? Let's stand up. I'm not, uh, <laughs> I just, God just laid some heart, I'm going to do it. <clears throat> I'm not a musician, uh, I'm not a singer, but I just, God just, it came from all this worship and jam session and this old song that we used to sing when I was first saved. I don't know if you've ever heard it or not, you might have, but I'm going to sing it over us once and then if you guys know it, just join in with me, Okay. Lord, I want to be more like you, Jesus, I want to be more like you, I want to be a vessel you work through, I want to be more like you. I want to be more like you, Jesus, I want to be more like you, I want to be a vessel you work through, I want to be more like you. Let that be your prayer every day. I'm going to get up and start singing that every day. I just, I forgot all about that song and it just dropped into my spirit this morning. It's like, let that be your prayer. Day in and day out. I want to be more like you. I want to be a vessel. Amen? Amen. God bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. Because he is full of grace. And give you peace. Peace. That word peace, Hebrew word shalom, here's what it means. Bringing authority over the chaos. 
bringing authority over the chaos. We have chaos in our lives. We need the shalom of God. Amen? Amen. Here's one other thing I want you to think about from a worship perspective. So, <laughs> just, it's been so good, to this whole music and worship thing. It just reinvigorated me. This is the Hebrew word for worship. If you get down into really studying what it means, how many of you have dogs? Yeah? Okay. Here, here. This is so unique to me. The, if you really get into the depth of the meaning of worship, at, at its core, it's this. It's like a dog licking the master's hand. That devotion, that closeness, that trust, that, oh, you're my master. That's what worship is. It's like a dog licking the master's hand right there next to him. It's like, it's kind of a weird description, but think about it. If you have dogs, you know, I mean, listen, if you have a dog, there ain't nobody better to him than you. I mean, you, there's nothing you can do wrong. That dog is like, you're, you're the best thing in the world. And he's dependent on you, and he, everything that he gets has to come from you. Ooh, that's exactly what our master's like, right? Like licking the dog's hand. Amen? Amen. All right, thank you. Bless you.